I'm so glad you're here. Can we thank our team uh, one more time? Just appreciate them so much. And, and if you don't know, this is Francisco. He is our Colombian connection. Here for four months, visiting his brother. And in less than four months, he's already serving. Just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> We're grateful he's here. Grateful he's here. We're going to continue our series um, that we're just calling Origin. And we're talking about the beginning, uh, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Uh, Genesis actually means in the beginning. Uh, first things, if you would. And um, so we've been kind of using four words to describe these first three chapters. And they are creation, uh, community, corruption, and then recreation. Can we say those together? you, you got to memorize. Uh, creation. Community, corruption, and recreation. And in fact, that word recreation is where we get the um, the idea of recreation, right? To to recreate, to recharge, to reset, to refocus, to remind ourselves what our north star is in life, what our purpose is in life. So here's what we've learned so far uh, to date. As we've gone through a, a few uh, few verses here in chapter one and two, number one, uh, God is Creator. God is the foundation of what we know and how we know who God is. He is Creator. God, Creator of the heavens and the earth, and ultimately man, male, and female. So He's Creator. God, we've learned that. Uh, the second thing we learned is you are. In the will of God, aligned with the purpose of God, closer to God when you're caring for the earth. So you gardeners are getting close. okay? But anytime you work the land, anytime you work the dirt, you are, you are getting back to man's original purpose or vocation. There's something about that that aligns us with God's original plan for us. Now, some of you are like, I don't do any of that. And my encouragement, maybe start in the produce section at your store. I don't know. <laughs> do something. Do something. Here's the second thing we learn. Rest is a God idea. For some of you in the room, the most spiritual thing you can do is to take a nap. Now, some of you have that down to a science. Probably don't need any more. Uh, but for some of you in the room, uh, the most spiritual thing you can do is take a day off. Give yourself a break. Take a vacation. Go on a cruise. Am I talking to anybody here? Some of you in this room, that's the most spiritual thing you can do. Because rest is God's idea. And then the last thing uh, up to date here so far is this idea of community. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about community and the original community, um, which is going to be um, Adam and Eve and God. Adam and Eve and God. Adam and Eve and God. This, this relationship that God established uh, that we call marriage. We call it marriage. When God brings two together, uh, and they can be better together in living their life together. Now, this message is going to be kind of a crossover from uh, the first sermon series, uh, the first one I did, Family Matters, the number one uh, sermon in that 
uh, sermon series. Uh, but uh, here's, here's what's really important to understand, and I'm going to do a deeper dive than I did there when it comes to marriage. I can talk about marriage once a month in church and not talk about it enough. And there's a reason for that. Um, God established marriage for a lot of purposes, but one of the main purpose is that it's going to reflect who Christ is, and more specifically, the relationship Christ has with his church. This is, this, this is so bigger than Sharon being happy and me being happy. Let, let me give you your word of encouragement today if you're married or you want to be married. Uh, marriage, <laughs> my loose one right here. Marriage is not about your happiness. It's not. Now, you may get happiness or joy or moments of, of that description in your life. But if you're only going to stay together because you're happy or you're not going to stay together because you're not happy anymore, you're not going to stay together. I'm just telling you right now. It's not about, it's so much bigger than um, the quiver and the liver. Come on. Goosebumps. You know. Remember that first time you guys kissed? You know, that your, 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 your head was spinning, you know. Anybody? You know, so it's, it's more than that. It's way more. Those are good moments. And, and, and the more those moments can happen, yay God. It's great. But it's so much more than your happiness, my happiness. Let me, th- right up front, mention a few books on marriage if you're looking for some resources. Uh, these are the three, the three I always advise people who are considering getting married, that they want to get married. If you want to do that, man, marriage is not for wimps. You, you, got, you got to be strong to be married. Uh, books on marriage. Number one, Love Languages. Great book. Love Language. If you haven't read it uh, and you're married, you want to get married, you need to read it. Second one is Boundaries. This one is how to keep, you know, marriage killers out of your marriage. And the last one is love and respect. I love and respect. I'd recommend if you're married or want to get married, get through those three books. And uh, if you do, you won't need to talk to me one day. See, if you need to talk to me, that usually no one talks to me in my office who's married, who says, I'm just, we're just coming for a tune-up. Never happens. We're just coming for maintenance. Never happens. It usually is like we're in a really bad place and we need to talk to you. But if you can read these books, practice the principles in these books, the scriptural references in these books, you, you will be way down the road as far as health in your marriage. So we're going to look at Genesis 2, 21 through 25, and then dip into Ephesians again and do kind of a little deeper dive here than I did previously. And here's what the Bible says uh, in Genesis 2.21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of man's ribs and closed up the opening. Uh, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to the man. Now, here's the good news for you today. I have no 
corny rib jokes. None. I am void of them all. Uh, I've heard a few. Never thought they were too funny. Uh, so I have none. But that, this is kind of how God did it. So out of the dirt, he created man, Adam. And then out of the rib, created the woman. Some people I know oftentimes in, uh, in marriage ceremonies, we talk about um, he created Eve out of the side. So, you know, not to be dominated, not to dominate, right? Partners, partners, equality in partnership. Now, here, here's, here's what I want to say about this. Uh, God brought her to him. Uh, I remember when I was um, first working with um, young single adults, this phrase, I don't know if I heard it somewhere or it came to me, I can't remember which, uh, but it's, it's, it's really important, especially if you're not yet married but want to get married. Not yet married but want to get married. Here, here, here are words I heard, and they're, they're, they're just gold, okay? And, and here's, here's how it goes. You need to stop looking for the right person and start focusing on being the right person. This, this is the key right here. God, God will bring you somebody when you're ready. Come on, anybody? God will bring you somebody when you're ready. Let me tell you right now. You do not want to meet someone when they're not ready. You don't want to carry that. <laughs> That'll cost you five to seven. Not prison. Five to seven years of your marriage right there. But you, you want to be coming the right person, not looking for the right person. See, when you're becoming the right person, you don't need to look for the right person. They're already looking for you. But God will send that person to you. Sharon and I, we met on a mission trip to El Salvador in Costa Rica. Mary Mann, a lot of you know Mary, Mary Mann. Uh, we actually kind of realized in her home that we were to be together. That's when it happened. That was a moment. But we both went on this mission trip, by the way, led by Jason Garcia, a name some of you might know. A lot of history here, a lot of history here at Christian Life Center. Uh, But she fought to get on the mission trip, and it uh, it was kind of a big deal. Uh, all the obstacles she had to overcome to go. And I felt God wanted me to go. So we, uh, and here's what, here's, here's my point. We were just being and trying to be and trying to pursue God as our, as individuals, right? We were trying to do what God wanted us to do. And on that trip is when we met each other, when God kind of introduced us to one another. Now we are both in um, Jason Garcia's uh, young adults, young single adult group. At least she said, I, I was there for a year and never met her. She said she went all the time. She said she'd come late and leave early. I guess. I believe her. I believe you. I believe you. Because she was helping out with the children, too, at the same time. Uh, different service. Uh, but we, we, we met at the first meeting after that trip. And, and there, was, um, there was instant in- interest. From me towards her. Not, not from her towards me. Instant interest. <laughs> it's like, huh. And anyway, long story short, uh, we kind of knew on the trip there was intrigue. So we dated the next week after we got back from the trip. And, uh, boy, there's so much this, more of the story I could tell. But who wants to blush? I don't. So let's keep going. 
Anyways, the point being, we, we weren't looking. We were trying to pursue the will of God in our lives. And in that pursuit, God brought us together. Does that make sense? In that pursuit, God brought us together. So God will bring the right person. Our responsibility as young single adults is to become the right person. So let's keep going here. Verse 23. And a little header there, I have Eve was just right for Adam. I love Adam's response when God introduces um, Eve to him, a response any red-blooded male would have. It says, at least in this version, the New Living Translation, at last, exclamation point. Now, you, you could say that so many different ways, right? Like, what, what would be a, a modern way to say that? You know, like, like yes! Yay, God. Thank you, Lord. Praise, you know, there's, you know, how many, you like at a, I don't know, Giants game, home run, what would you yell? You know, maybe not all that. You get the idea. That was his response. It was very, um, he was excited. He knew this was the one. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman. Because she was taken from man. So this, this, this idea of community was forming. This idea that we, we call community, right? this, this unity, community, unity, coming together in unity, right? is starting to form and shape here on earth. Now we're going to move into the most important principle I've discovered, uh, not only in my marriage, our marriage, but in all the marriage counseling I've done with people. And it's the leave and cleave principle. Can we say those words together? Leave and cleave principle. One more time. Leave and cleave principle. Uh, The Bible talks about two coming together as one, not three. Come on, man. Someone you know what I'm talking about. Not four. Two, two, one. Not three. Not four. So here's what the scripture says. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is... Let me say it one more time. This explains why a man... Isn't it nice when the Bible's clear? So many people say to me, I don't understand the Bible. I get that a lot. I don't understand the Bible. And and I'm like, man, what what Bible are you reading? (laughs) I mean, there are Bible verses I read I wish I didn't understand. I wish I could claim ignorance, right? Not this one. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother. And by the way, I've had well-intended adults with children who are getting married who have told me this. They've actually, with a straight face, told me this. It says the man leaves his father and mother, not the woman. It doesn't say the woman, Pastor Chris. Say, man, you, you are Stretching the scriptures right there. Stretching the scriptures. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined or united to his wife and the two are united into one. This is so important. Uh, I can't remember if I shared this here, but 50% of the marriage counseling I do, about 50%, is one of the two people I'm talking to, right? Uh, they they have the umbilical cord. I can't remember the umbilical. 
Come on. I'm going to go there right now, man. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to help somebody right now. You might not like me, but I'm going to help you. The umbilical cord got physically cut, <clears throat> but not emotionally. <clears throat> and so what happens, 50% of my counseling, is... <clears throat> so critical, man. One of the two I'm talking to is not number one in the other person's life. So critical, man. So for, for the wife, she's got to be number one in her husband's life. Number one. Number one. Everyone say one. And the opposite is true. The husband needs to be. Like, can you feel the passion in me right now? The husband needs to be. Needs to be. Wow. For the guy, this is even more important, in my humble opinion, psychologically. The guy needs to be number one. And this should be an amen or something. I know you're terrified. I know you're terrified. <clears throat> I know you can't do it. I know you, you want to do it. It's in there. You want to yell it out. I know you do. Needs to be number one. They got to be united. Nothing in between. Nothing in between. Right? There are there are some parents who are well intended. Everyone say well intended. Come on. I mean, they love Jesus. They love their spouse. They love their kids. They want their kids to be successful in their marriages. But they feel like they have a spiritual gift of interference. Come on, man. Come on. There's no spiritual gift of interference. There's only interference. <laughs> it's not spiritual. It's carnal. It's unhealthy. It's unhealthy. I know it's a challenge. We have two... Two of our boys are married, and it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Why? One generation, this idea of marriage and raising kids is radically different than the next. Right? Come on. Come on. Come on. So we want to, uh, you know, we want to help our kids. We want to, you know, we love them. We want to help them. Right? Now, <clears throat> oftentimes we forget um, that when we were newly married, come on, when we had our kids, we didn't really, if we wanted mom and dad's help, we would what? We'll ask you. You don't, you don't need to, please don't, don't unsolicited, you don't, not necessary. See, we forget, we forget. This is real critical. Why is this critical? Because the only way the two can become one and live out the will of God, and be a light to the world on marriage, if it's two and not three or four. It's got to be just two. Becoming one. Nothing in between. That's why the book Boundaries is so critical. Boundaries is critical. That book is really, really important. Verse 25. Now the man... You guys feeling good so far? Encouraged? Built up? Did I just start a bunch of conversations? I'm here for you. I want you to know, I'm here for you. I am available. If you need to meet, I'm here. Sharon and I, if we meet with you together, we will, we'll tell you all the things we've done wrong, wrong to help you out. That, that, by the way, is, is the extent of my marriage counseling. <laughs> These three books and everything I've done wrong in my marriage. Don't do this. Do this instead. So that, that, we're there for you. The last verse there, verse 25. Now the man and his wife 
were both naked, but they felt no shame. Why? Where there's no sin, there's no shame. That's a takeaway for some. Where there's no sin, there's no shame. Where there's sin, there's shame. But they were free from that. There was no sin and there was no shame. Let me wind this down, uh, just tackle little, little pieces of Ephesians 5. Again, a great, great scripture verse. Great scripture verse. The Apostle Paul is trying to help. He's trying to help. Even though he was, from what we know, he was single at the time. Uh, most church Bible teachers tell us he was most likely married and then got separated. Could have been because of his faith. We don't know for sure. And so he was in a state of singleness in his ministry. But he had experienced marriage, which might be one reason why he said, if he can stay single, just saying, stay single. But for most of you, your gift is marriage, not singleness. So. Anyways, uh, we touched on that a little bit last week. So Ephesians 5, let me just hit a few more things here in, um, in this scripture verse where the Apostle Paul writes uh, to the church in Ephesus. And tries to help them this idea of marriage, which ultimately, again, is a reflection of Christ and Christ's relationship with his church. <clears throat> so uh, mutual submission is, is the phrase I, I hope you can hear today. Uh, there, there, was, there were decades in the church where we talked about <clears throat> the woman must submit to her husband, the wife. Right? That, was, that was the normal teaching for a long, long time. Uh, but uh, I believe when Paul says in verse 21, he's talking about a mutual submission, uh, both the, the man and the woman. So they're both going to submit, but it's going to be a submission in different ways, all right, in different ways. So here's what he actually says in verse 21. And further, submit to one another. Why? 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 Because your spouse deserves it. Yes, that was loud. It did come out of your mouth, and it was very aggressive. <clears throat> no. Submit to one another. Why? Why do you do it? This is such a key principle here, Matt. You do it out of reverence for Christ. Why do you forgive somebody? Because they deserve it? No. We forgive because we've been forgiven. These are really important things to understand. So submit to one another. Now, there was, there was a day where, you know, in your Bible, you have little headers. The header for this section of Scripture in Ephesians 5 was after verse 21, right? Now, it's more common to see the header uh, above verse 21. So it is included in the teaching, which, as far as hermeneutics goes, how to understand the scriptures and interpret the scriptures. It's way better to start with verse 21. Way, it makes way more sense. And uh, here's what it says. Uh, and further, submit to one another at a reverence for Christ. And he's going to go on to talk about how the wife submits and then how the husband submits. And they're a little different. They're a little similar, but a little different. A little different. And in this teaching, Christ is the model for both the husband and the wife. This is so important. 
That's why I said earlier, if you're single, wanting to get married, become the right person. Because you want to draw somebody who's already submitted to Christ. This, this is critical. You want to draw someone that's already submitted to Christ. And, and that's going to help the two becoming one so much. So here's what he says. Now, when I do talk about, i got to just honestly, just full transparency here. When, when I talk about the women's part, I'm never comfortable. Just being honest. I might look relaxed. I'm not at all. At all. Like zero. When I talk about the guy part, I'm going to come hard. Okay? I can do that. So, so ladies, just receive it with grace and whatever love you have in your heart right now. But our culture, this is counterculture. This is counterculture. It all is. Yeah, submission is not a popular word, even though we love the fact that Christ submitted to the will of his Father for our sake. Come on. Come on. Right? I do. I'm so glad Christ humbled himself, became a man, then became a servant, then died on a cross because of the will of God. He submitted to the will of God. Aren't you glad? See, submission could be a, a glorious word, a great word. We understand it. So wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. He's not the Lord, which you clearly already know. Oh, my humor is just flying right now. But as to the Lord. This is why, guys, again, you want somebody who's already, if you're looking to get married. If you want to do that, you're looking for someone who's already there. Uh, You're becoming that person, you'll attract that person. Uh, so submit to your husband as to the Lord. For, so so I, I can, I can <clears throat> again, fear and trepidation here for me. But you, you can measure. This is so much fun for me right now. I just moved from fear and trepidation to like a lot of joy. You can literally measure where you are with God, if you're married, based on how you are. Submitting to your husband. Right? You, as to, as to, right? Submit as to. So th- th- this is great. It's a plumb line there. There's a measurement for us. There's, there's, a, there's a tangible way to know where we're at with God. Tangible way. Now, Sharon and I, you know, we're both, you know, I don't know. Would you say you're strong-willed? Yes. Okay, yeah. Glad that came from you, not me. <laughs> so somehow, once we started, we, we were like learning on the job. Any, anybody else? We were kind of learning how to be married while we were married. Whew, that's a rough way to do it. Uh, anyways, we got to a point where I don't know what happened. It's like a miracle of God, man. But with Sharon, with Sharon uh, was she just finally, you know, she's certain areas of our marriage where she's way better at. She takes lead. Areas I'm better at, I take the lead. But uh, we were like, well, what about a tie? What are you doing a tie? Peter, what are you doing a tie? You know. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good. In, 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 the, in the Old Testament, they would have drawn straws. So that's close. You know. 
And for some reason, I don't know where this came from, man. It was like heaven opened up. Sharon goes, you get the tiebreaker. You know what's amazing? As much as I loved hearing those words, all of a sudden a weight went on my shoulders. It was heavy. It was like, it was like great to hear, but it was also like heavy to hear. Verse 23, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. Function, okay? Purpose. God designed, God, the way God ordered things. A head of the wife is Christ the head of the church. He is the savior of his body. Again, Paul's going to talk about marriage and Christ and the church. It's all going to be mixed together for him. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything, in all things, okay? as the church submits to Christ. Uh, that's the model. It's, it's us with Christ. It's the church with Christ. It's the wife with Christ. Now, I always thought the woman got the most difficult task here. Until I started understanding the rest of this next verse I'm about to teach. Boldly, by the way. With confidence. I'm going back to confidence. Um, yeah, I always thought, man, the woman has the, 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 the more difficult task. Until, Chris, until I understood this. Verse 25. For husbands, so he did for wives, mutual submission, the wives part. Now the husband part. For husbands, this means love your wives. It's hard to get these words out of my mouth. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her. Steve, he died for the church. Do you, do you, do you know what Paul's talking about here? Died. Died. Everyone say died. I don't know. Submit in all things. Die. I don't know. I don't know. You pick, you know. Which one? Die. I mean, it's, it's so hard to have wiggle room with the word die, right? Gave up his life. He died. Died. Here's how I interpret that. Tom, here you go, man. You ready? Boy, I don't have enough context here. This is going to come across wrong, but I'm going to do it anyways. Guys. When you're asking the question, how much is enough? Here's the answer. It's never enough. You're never done. Ever. Until your last breath. <laughs> on this earth. Come on, someone say yay God or amen or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the guys, you know, that was... Again, my wife, one more time. It's never enough. Here's, here's what we got to see. Both those submissions are good. They're both good. They're both great. In fact, they'll both give you a great life. This is the, this is the key that unlocks the power of marriage. They'll both give you a great... You just got to break through the culture. That has an entirely different message. A message of happiness. Disneyland love. Happily 
ever after gag me. <laughs> it's so much more than your happiness. I mean, it's great. If you're happy, it's great. But happiness doesn't get you through difficult times. It doesn't. It won't. Happiness is not sticky. It won't. Mutual submission, honoring God will be sticky and it'll get you through difficult times. That's why our wedding vows are so final. Right? Your health, your, your wealth, good times and bad, right? Until you kill each other. No, you can't, can't do it. Until what? Until death do you part. I mean, there's, there's a reason those words are there. There's a reason. And by the way, love in the Bible, I've said this once before, I'm going to say it again, you'll hear this commonly from me. Love in the Bible is best described as you keeping your word. God loves you. He's going to keep his promises he gives you. He's going to keep his word to you. Because love demands that type of commitment, that type of discipline. That's what love is. Love means... Great dinner out, it's beautiful, you know, flowers and chocolates and vacations and all that's great. Love all that. But uh, keeping my word in my marriage is far more important than any, any of that. Verse 26, keep reading. Uh, Gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her... Again, we're talking about Christ in the church. Paul keeps going. He's weaving in and out here. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. There, there is an, an end result to honoring God and living the life he designed us to live as we learn what it means to, to mutually submit to one another. Again, if you're single here today and you want to get married one day, just learn now to submit to Christ. Just submit to his word. Submit to his will. Submit to his directions. Live the life he designed you to live. Okay, let's kind of wind this down here. Verse 28. Uh, in the same way, husbands, same way as Christ in the church, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Now that is an interesting verse. I don't know what it is about guys. <clears throat> 18 to 26, you're kind of peak physical performance, right? Usually. You're, you're, you're strong. Come on, any guys, any guys remember that? Just... Francisco, you're, you're right there, man. You're living it. You're living the dream. But I don't know what it's about guys. Guys can be like in their late 30s, no longer 18, and they can look in that mirror and still go, like, still got it. It's a weird psychology of the male, man. It's weird. It's strange. But no one, no one, verse 29, hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. So marriage illustrates Christ and his church in community. In community. This is so critical. The more the church can, can help 
marriages, the more we're going to help understand Christ's relationship with his church, and the more it's going to be a witness to the world. A witness to the world that desperately is looking for role models of people who aren't perfect, right? But they're still together. Still together. They're st- in spite of it all. They're still together. They're stuck. It's sticky. They stuck together. The world's looking for people like that. You, you know, if, if you just stay with your spouse the rest of your life, you're going to honor God. Isn't that amazing? You, you're going to, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to create a legacy from just staying together. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. It's amazing. Seems like a low bar, but it's huge in our world. It's huge. And so uh, we're going to go full circle here, back to Genesis in Ephesians here. The Apostle Paul is. Um, Verse 31, as the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother. Again, that's why it's so important. That's why the front end of this message highlighted this. So important. Paul ties this all, puts a nice bow on it for us today. As the scriptures say, and the music team can come on up uh, right now. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined or united to his wife. uh, And the two are united into one. Two to one. Not three. Not four. Two to one. Nothing in between. Book boundaries. You got to read it. Verse 32, this is a great mystery. How many would agree marriage is a mystery? Anyone besides me? If I can ever figure it out, I'm going to write a book. (laughs) But I have not written that book yet. (laughs) Because it's still a mystery. Now, the mystery is greater than just marriage here, of course, with Paul. This is a great mystery. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. This is so important. So important. So important. And if our children and teenagers and young adults should ever be able to look anywhere for what it means to be Christ-honoring the marriage, it should be the church. It should be the church. Verse 33. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Third book, Love and Respect. Let me pray for you. Then we got some music. just want to encourage you. Do everything you can to strengthen your marriage. It's difficult. It's hard. We need maintenance. We need tune-ups. We need reminders to stick together. But ultimately, it comes down to submitting to Christ so that we can submit to one another. Father God, thank you so much for each person in this room, everyone online. God, I pray this word goes out uh, in a way that keeps us on course or gets us back on course with your plan for our life. Father, we know that um, your plan is good. Your will is good. Your instructions are good. God, let us embrace that today in this area. In Jesus' name, amen.